Hello and welcome to another episode of Covenant and Conversation with me, Rabbi Sachs. In each new episode, we'll explore a Jewish idea from the Hebrew Bible based on the Torah reading of the week. Why is the Jewish people so small? Near the end of Vayet Hanan is a statement with such far-reaching implications that it challenges the impression that has thus far prevailed in the Torah. It gives an entirely new complexion to the biblical image of the people Israel. Moshe Rabbeinu says, The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples, for you are the fewest of all peoples. Now, this is not what we have heard thus far. In Genesis, God promised the patriarchs that their descendants would be like the stars of the heavens, the sand on the seashore, the dust of the earth, uncountable. Abraham would be the father not just of one nation, but of many. At the beginning of Exodus, we read how the covenantal family, numbering a mere 70 when they went down to Egypt, were fertile and prolific and their population increased. They became so numerous that the land was filled with them. Three times in the book of Devarim, Moses describes the Israelites as being as many as the stars of the sky. Shlomo Amalek speaks of himself as being part of the people you have chosen, a great people too numerous to count or number. The prophet Hosea says that the Israelites will be like the sand of the seashore which cannot be measured or counted. In all these texts and in others, it's the size, the numerical greatness of the people that's emphasized. So what are we to make of Moses' words that speak of its smallness? Dagram Yonason interprets it to be not about numbers at all, but about self-image. He translates it not as the fewest of all peoples, but as the most lowly and humble of peoples. Rashi gives a similar reading, citing Abraham's words, I am but dust and ashes. And Moshe and Aaron's, who are we? Rashbam and Chizkuni give the more straightforward explanation that Moses is contrasting the Israelites with the seven nations they'd be fighting in the land of Canaan. God would lead the Israelites to victory despite the fact that they were outnumbered by the local inhabitants. Rabbeinu Bachia quotes Maimonides, who says that we would have expected God, king of the universe, to have chosen the most numerous nation in the world as his people since uh, Barov Am Hadrat Melech, the glory of the king, is in the multitude of the people. But God didn't do so. So Israel should count itself extraordinarily blessed that God chose it despite its smallness to be his um Zagulai's special treasure. Rabbeinu Bachia finds himself forced to give a more complex reading to resolve the contradiction of Moses in Devarim saying both that Israel is the smallest of people and as many as the stars of the sky. He turns it into a hypothetical subjunctive, meaning God would still have chosen you even if you had been the smallest of the peoples. Sforna gives a simple and straightforward reading. God didn't choose a nation for the sake of his honour. Had he done so, he would have undoubtedly chosen a mighty and numerous people. His choice had nothing to do with honour and everything to do with love. He loved the patriarchs for their willingness to heed his voice, therefore... He loves their children. Yet there's something in this verse that resonates throughout much of Jewish history. Historically, Jews were and are a small people today, less than 0.2% of the population of the world. There were two reasons for this. First is the heavy toll taken through the ages by 
exile and persecution, directly by Jews killed in massacres and pogroms, indirectly by those who converted, for instance, in 14th and 15th century Spain and 19th century Europe, in order to avoid persecution. The Jewish population is a mere fraction of what it might have been had there been no Hadrian, no Crusades, and no anti-Semitism. The second reason is that Jews didn't seek to convert others. Had they done so, they would have been much closer in numbers to Christianity today, around 2.4 billion adherents, or Islam, 1.6 billion. In fact, Malbim reads something like this into our verse. Because the previous verse, he said that the Israelites were about to enter a land with seven nations, Hittites, Girgashites, Amorites, and the rest. Moses warns them against intermarriage with the other nations, not for racial, but for religious reasons. He says, they'll turn your children away from following me to serve other gods. So Malbim interprets our verse as Moses saying to the Israelites, don't justify out marriage on the grounds that it will increase the number of Jews. God is not interested in numbers. Notwithstanding all these interpretations and explanations, Tanakh itself offers one extraordinary episode that sheds a different light on the whole issue. It occurs in the seventh chapter of the book of Judges. God has told Gideon to assemble an army and do battle with the Midianites. He gathers a force of 32,000 men. God tells him, you have too many men. God then tells Gideon to say, whoever's afraid and wishes to go home may do so. Gideon says it, and 22,000 men leave. 10,000 remains. God tells Gideon there are still too many men. He proposes a new test. He says Gideon should take the men to the river and see how they drink water. 9,700 kneel down to drink and are dismissed. Gideon is left with a mere 300 men. With the 300 men that lap the water, I will save you and give the Midianites into our, your hands, God tells him. And by a brilliant and unexpected strategy, the 300 put the entire Midianite army to flight. The Jewish people are small, but have achieved great things to testify in themselves to a force beyond themselves. It has achieved things no other nation its size could have achieved. Its history has been living testimony to the force of divine providence and the impact of high ideals. That's what Moses meant when he said, Ask now about the former days long before your time from the day God created human beings on earth. Ask, has anything so great as this ever happened? Or has anything like it ever been heard of? Has any other people heard the voice of God speaking out of the fire as you have and yet lived? Has any God ever tried to take for himself one nation out of another nation by tests, signs, wonders, war, a mighty hand and an outstretched arm by great and awesome deeds like all the things the Lord God did for you in Egypt before your very eyes? In other words, Israel defies the laws of history because it serves the author of history. Attached to greatness, it becomes great. Through the Jewish people, God is telling humankind that you don't need to be numerous to be great. Nations are judged not by their size, but by their contribution to the human heritage. Of this, the most compelling proof 
is that a nation as small as the Jews could produce an ever-renewed flow of prophets, priests, poets, philosophers, sages, saints, halachis, agadis, codifiers, commentators, rebbers, and Rosh Yeshivot. It has also yielded some of the world's greatest writers, artists, musicians, filmmakers, academics, intellectuals, doctors, lawyers, business people, and technological innovators. Out of all proportion to their numbers, Jews could and can be found working as lawyers fighting injustice, economists fighting poverty, doctors fighting disease, teachers fighting ignorance, and therapists fighting depression and despair. You don't need numbers to enlarge the spiritual and moral horizons of humankind. You need other things altogether. A sense of the worth and dignity of the individual, of the power of human possibility to transform the world, of the importance of giving everyone the best education they can have, of making each feel part of a collective responsibility to ameliorate the human condition. Judaism asks of this, the willingness to take high ideals and enact them in the real world unswayed by disappointments and defeats. This is still evident today, especially among the people of Israel in the state of Israel. Traduced in the media and pilloried by much of the world, Israel continues to produce human miracles in medicine, agriculture, technology and the arts as if the word impossible didn't exist in the Hebrew language. Israel remains a small nation, surrounded as in biblical times by nations larger and stronger than you, yet the truth remains, as Moses said, the Lord didn't set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. This small people has outlived all the world's great empires. To deliver to humanity a message of hope, you need not be large to be great. What you need is to be open to a power greater than yourself. It is said that King Louis XIV of France once asked Blaise Pascal, the brilliant mathematician and theologian, to give him a proof of the existence of God. Pascal is said to have replied, Your Majesty, the Jews. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you for listening. You can download a written version of my commentary and explore all my additional content by visiting www.rabbisax.org. This year, we also have an accompanying family edition of Covenant and Conversation aimed at connecting children and teenagers with these ideas and thoughts. For a family edition discussion sheet on this week's parasha, please go to www.rabbisax.org slash cc family edition.